That sounds good. That's Caleb Stein playing us in here for Origins, our continuing conversation about food. We're trying to ask really hard questions about where our food comes from and get really good answers from people uh, that help get it to us. In this case, uh, today we have with us um, two of those folks um, uh, from up in Baltimore County. Um, We've been working with them, uh, with their farm for a long time uh, at Woodbury Kitchen and now are continuing that uh, work here um, at the Line Hotel. Uh, with our restaurant of Rake's Progress. Welcome John Shaw and Nat Shaw from Karma Farm. Thanks for having us. And let's get right up. Yeah, get right up on it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, It's great to have you guys here. Um, Are you dropping off today? We did. We delivered some baby vegetables for you and some some greens. Awesome. Which is great to hear because it's December 20th, right? Right. (laughs) (laughs) And we're still getting beautiful, fresh vegetables from the farm. Um, Um... and one of the reasons, I mean, one of the, my, uh, why I'm so excited to be working with you guys, because it's been how long? It's been... Eight years. Eight years. And you came to me uh, at Woodbury. Right. Eight years ago. We knocked on the door and had a few tomatoes to sell you. And, and George said, come on in. And we did. And then we, he said, come back again. And we've been coming back ever since. And the farm had just started. That's right. And you were small by just about any measure. Mm-hmm. And new, just by about any measure. Right. And here we are, years down the road, and you're one of our favorite growers, Thank Karma. You. And now Nat's here with you, which is awesome. Welcome, Nat. Thank you, Spike, for having me. <laughs> Not at all. And, um, and I think you know, one of the things, you, you've grown, you've evolved, and now that evolution and that growth now includes Nat and, and trying to work into that. I think it's one of the interesting things that I wanted to talk to you guys about is what that looks like for Karma Farm. But right first, before we get into that, Tell us a little bit about the farm, what you guys are doing, how big you are, your production, okay. uh, your practices. Uh, our, our farm is uh, very diverse when it comes to vegetables. We grow many different kinds of, of vegetables uh, seasonally. Um, we're growing um, uh, all four seasons of the year, and we do outdoor farming. We do protected culture using uh, hoop houses and caterpillar tunnels, and we recently made an investment in a hydroponic system that enables us to grow uh, a lot of different kinds of items uh, 12 months a year that typically, if you wanted to get them around here, you'd be buying them from not around here. So uh, that's what we do. We, we grow organically, although we, don't, we are not certified uh, by the USDA. Um, and we use typical, uh, some, some, um, uh, automation in terms of, you know, we use tillers and we use, uh, uh, various, uh, automating tools, but basically it's mostly hand done and, um, it's a lot of labor, but we lo- we love what we do. So what are you growing? Uh, right now we have, um, radishes, turnips, carrots, uh, kale, collards, uh, parsley, cilantro, uh, lettuce. Um, what else do we have in that? In the hydroponic unit, we also have uh, red vein sorrel, chervil, uh, arugula, 
Uh, my dad mentioned lettuce, and um, what else do we have going on there? Tatsoi, Tatsoi. Uh, Shingiku, just a variety of fairly unusual oriental greens. And it's, it's going well. It's going great. It's it, going great. I, from our end, it certainly is. I mean, uh, these guys send us or bring to us some of the most beautiful vegetables we ever get. Uh, we, we've come to think of John and, and now Nat as kind of the lettuce whispers. Their lettuces <laughs> come to us and with, uh, you could tell they're grown and, and packaged with such care and they're beautiful and fresh and, and we just love getting them on a plate and sharing with our guests. There's two questions here that I want to ask you guys. First, John and then Nat, which is, for, you know, it's going back eight years. What made you take that turn into farming? And then I'm really interested to hear from Nat. What made you want to join in now eight years down the road? I know you've been helping along the way, but now you're making a, uh, you know, staking your He's claim. committed now. Yeah, I love yeah. that. Or should be. Right. So uh, I got started. Um, I've always been into growing things, um, mostly food. I'm not that much into or, uh, ornamentals. Uh, but even when I was in high school, I had, a, I had an organic garden where I grew one of everything. I grew one corn and one lettuce and one cucumber plant uh, just to see how they grew. And whenever I've had the availability of a little patch of soil somewhere, uh, I've grown stuff. So um, eight or nine years ago, uh, I, I, I actually before that, I, uh, I bought a farm um, and decided to see if we could turn, go from being a gardener into a more of a commercial operation. Uh, and it's really been a labor of love, uh, and that's why we do it. Uh, so how I got involved with the farm really was, uh, obviously, I grew up on the farm working with my dad um, in the summertime. And being outside and working with plants has been always something that I've really enjoyed. Um, one of my passions, I just never really saw it as a way to make a real living for myself. Um, so while I was going to school uh, studying entrepreneurship at the University of Baltimore, I... Uh, I did a feasibility study on doing indoor uh, hydroponics to grow leafy greens and lettuces, and it turned out that uh, it actually had some legs to it. It seemed like something I could actually do. Um, so after a few semesters of studying vertical hydroponic growing and finding a system which I thought was suitable, I, uh, I introduced the idea to my dad of combining uh, vertical hydroponic farming with our outdoor sustainable agriculture to widen uh, the list of produce that we have throughout the winter, uh, keep recurring revenue, and, and turn the farm from a kind of a family farm into a, a real sustainable business entity. And how's that going? It's going pretty well. Uh, How long has it been? We've been farming hydroponically for only six or seven months now. Um, and we've made some major improvements in that time, and we're just kind of getting over the hump uh, to where we're getting the results that we had been hoping for. Right. I'd say we're hitting our stride and uh, we're very close to committing to uh, acquiring another unit to double our, actually it'll triple our production. Um, so obviously it's something that we're going to really put both really heavily get involved with both feet. And we're also going to be expanding our outdoor production because we have additional space for that. So let's, so it wasn't always Karma Farm. It was Baltimore Organics. That's right. And the name, eventually, you, said, you were told. Right. The USDA uh, didn't like the fact that we used the word organic because they kind of own that word when it comes to agricultural operations uh, because we never got certified by them, even though we are very, I mean, 
I can't tell you, we think we're more organic than most certified organic farms. Uh, so we were forced to change our name or pay a fine. So we, we went with change our name. So why not, why not certification for you guys? Uh, we, it's our understanding that it is a fairly expensive process. Uh, it's a lot of paperwork. And really, we know what we do. Our customers know what we do. And we just really want to focus on growing. Uh, our, our interest is in growing, is, is in trying a lot of different varieties of uh, vegetables and herbs bringing them to our customers like like you and saying, what do you like? What don't you like? We actually like, we like to know more what you don't like because that makes us better. And uh, I, you know, I think you'd agree. We, we introduce a lot of new things to Woodbury and your other locations. And we, that's really what our focus is. We like to innovate and try a lot of new varieties of things. And then we, with the ones that people like and that we like, we stick with those. And, but we keep trying new things. But Definitely. As far as the uh, organic certification, we found that just bringing up, bringing the chefs to the farm, showing them how we're growing, uh, what we're growing, uh, is is much more valuable, and they really, you know, they remember what what we're doing, how we're doing it, and it's much more meaningful than a certification. A certification is a label, right? Yes, exactly. And it's if you're having a conversation with someone, you don't really need it. I mean, if you're if we're able to have this conversation, if you're able to talk to chefs, if you're able to talk to your customers at a CSA or or at a market, right. I think that's one of the that's one of the kind of the forks in the road that I've seen. Right. Unfortunately, I think that the organic certification from the USDA has been a little bit corrupted. Why? Well, uh, if you look at who has been on that certification board, you see people like Campbell Soup, and uh, I forgot the name of the giant carrot farm in California, but some of the practices that are that get certified like they grow tomatoes in baja california and they don't use they use organically certified uh uh uh, fertilizers pesticides and and i don't know if they use any herbicides but uh, so they're certified but they're draining the water table in baja california which isn't really sustainable and it's that type of thing that says it really kind of people that really know what's going on you know yeah, organic maybe for Whole Foods or for some big retailer might drive some additional price, a higher price for them. But when you're selling like we do, where we're selling direct to the restaurants, you have a personal relationship. People come and see the stuff. They feel it. They touch it. They taste it. It's just not necessary, and it really doesn't add anything for us. Right. I'm interested in a, in a farm, talking about a farm that's been in the ground now for eight years and is now moving into vertical uh, uh, indoor production and what that means to you guys. The difference, there's a lot of people that advocate for soil-based systems. Um, there are folks on the entire other side of that conversation who say that uh, these systems, um, water-based or whatever, are, gonna, are the future and that's how we're going to produce food for this planet. And you guys seem to be right there in the middle. Right. Well, we, we think that the world is going to require both. Um, in terms of uh, soil-based systems, there's a lot of things that, that you couldn't grow or, or wouldn't make sense from an efficiency standpoint to grow in a hydroponic system. You're not going to grow root crops in a hydroponic system. Um, energy would be, I mean, they do grow a lot of tomatoes in Canada hydroponically, but it's extremely energy intensive. 
But if you look at sustainability from a hydroponic standpoint, specifically for leafy greens, there's a lot of benefit to it. It uses uh, way, way, like a 30th of the amount of water that outdoor production requires. Um, the energy component of it is significant, but in our case, we're, we're using solar panels uh, for the vast majority of it. Um, and then uh, th there's other aspects of it, like like the space. We grow about 30 times more leafy greens in this in the square footage that we could than we could grow outside, because we get 11 or 12 harvests a year, and we're growing it vertically. Um, if you, uh, you know, hypothetically, you could take that particular space, that 30 times that space, and put it back into a forest, which is as sustainable as you can get. All right. So in order to have a healthy, locally produced food system that we all want, we, we really think that, yeah, it's going to require both vertical indoor hydroponics and uh, outdoor locally produced soil-based uh, farming. And we really just think each system has its own advantages and disadvantages um, as um, as far as what you can grow, how all, uh, the, dura the duration of the season. Um, and so playing off the, the advantages of both systems is what we've re really been trying to, uh, that middle ground that we've been trying to find. And we think that going forward, it's going to be really the only way to have locally produced uh, food year-round in these areas where you just can't grow much food in the winter. What are you going to say to folks who who are going to say, you know, the, the stuff you're growing indoors is not going to have the same nutrition. It's not going to have the same nutrient density as, as, as stuff uh, grown uh, organically in soil. Right. I, I would tell them to look at the studies, the scientific studies that do uh, do the analysis of, you know, a lettuce, a lettuce leaf or, a, uh, or an arugula leaf or whatever is grown in there. Uh, the nutrients that are going into these can be from organic sources, but they don't have to be from organic sources. But the the basic building blocks that the plants require to grow and be healthy uh, are in these nutrients, and it's kind of like it's just pre-digested. It's sort of like, let's say it's kind of like mother's milk as opposed to, you know, eating something else when you get a little bit older. Right. But for So that's going into the plant, but from the plant to me... No, from the plant to you, I'm saying... There are scientific studies that show that you can actually enhance the, nu the nutritious value for humans, it, you know, out of, you know, what's, what the, the lettuce leaf that you eat or the, uh, or the spinach leaf that you consume. So here's, here's the thing for me is I've resisted this for a long time. And we've got other, we've got other kind of uh, larger scale hydroponic operations in our area. Right. And they're around and I've had their mostly lettuces and... Mm -hmm. Um, never, never purchased from them, and and you guys come along. You say we're going to do this, and of course you're one of my favorite farms. And I get, and what's crucial for me in this conversation is that you're telling me that this is important for your ability to keep farming, right? And for to bring that into the farm, and, and I totally get that, and that's what tipped the scale for me. Um, I wasn't as open to it as maybe as I could have been or should have been, but now that you guys are coming, you know, and saying we're doing this. We're being supportive. I hope you absolutely Definitely. are. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. And uh, and that's and that's kind of opened a door for me. I have to say, like I was resistant, um, but I'm still not buying from those other guys. Is there right. a good reason for that? Yeah. The, the uh, okay. This is a little self-serving. That's fine. But I would say the good reason is because if you're in the restaurant business and you want some interesting things for your guests to eat. Those guys are basically growing 
one type of butterhead lettuce. The variety name, it's called Rex. It grows really well in a hydroponic environment. And they're selling thousands or hundreds of thousands of those heads to Safeway or Wegmans or whatever. But if you want interesting stuff, we're going to grow that for you. We're, we're very flexible uh, in, in our production capabilities, our techniques, and we also know a lot about the different varieties. That's not what they're into. They're into mass production, one thing, and they, they do it very well, but they only, you know, you're going to get one type of butterhead lettuce. Maybe, maybe they'll grow a romaine. And that's about it. So we brought uh, mass customization to our hydroponic unit uh, with the different varieties that we grow, the different sizes that we make available to the customers, as well as a bunch of other different things that we mentioned earlier that we're growing hydroponically that uh, traditionally haven't been touched, really. So when we go into restaurants and we're sampling, uh, we're giving samples to chefs, uh, they're trying our, for instance, scarlet frills and, uh, from the hydroponic unit. And they say, I've never had such good scarlet frills hydroponically. It really tastes really strong. Mm-hmm. And it's because they probably mm-hmm. haven't had any hydroponic scarlet frills. So <laughs> it's just been about uh, b- trying to bridge that gap with some people who, yeah, do have a bit of a, uh, a perceived, uh, a perception of maybe a lack of taste or nutrients with hydroponic crops. Is there any difference between your hydroponics and more larger scale mass produced products there is to some extent we uh we do complete controlled environmental agriculture environment um so we're inside completely uh most mass produced hydroponic lettuce is going to be grown in a greenhouse with supplemental lighting so we do have um a higher level of consistency since we're not playing uh you know with sunlight and artificial light it's just one sole source of Mm -hmm. lighting so What's next? We're t- I know you guys are t- we're looking at something downtown, right? Yes. So we're, we're, um, we're looking at two things. Uh, one is, uh, well, it's, it's one big thing, and then, well, I'll break it up. One is we're, we're trying to establish an urban farming operation, um, really just to kind of show the community that, it, that it's doable and that it's sustainable. So uh, we're looking at some hoop house um, uh, implementation, uh, some out, some pure outdoor kind of small scale combination vegetable and herb production, and we're looking at a second hydroponic unit that w- we would put uh, right in the city, um, and hopefully we'll be able to do that, get that started in the next few months. And then, I mean, I want to take this and try to blow it up a little bit, which is you guys on this farm out in Moncton. Um, how, how big is it? Uh, our property is about 12 acres, but under cultivation right now is about four. And you mentioned early on it's a labor of love. Nat, you came into it, I, I guess, eyes wide open, uh, having worked on the farm, but understanding it wasn't the easiest way to, probably to, uh, to make a living. And so wh- why, why do this work? Okay. Well, well, I do it as a labor of love, but... Why do you love it? Um, I just love growing stuff. I love seeing the seeds sprout. I love putting them in the ground and seeing them grow up. I love eating the stuff. Um, I kind of have a different reason for why I love it. I love growing things hydroponically and and going to chefs and showing them what I can do hydroponically, having them taste it, and and just they're just totally wowed. And that's the best thing for me is proving a technology and bringing new products, better products, to – to restaurants and chefs, um, so that's really where I... Uh, that's part of my thing, too. I really like, 
you know, delivering a bag of carrots and some radishes and turnips to Jose at Artifact Coffee, and he's muy, muy linda. (laughs) You know, he really likes, you know, he likes our stuff. I like showing them the difference between a head of lettuce that has a root on it and is still alive versus a head of lettuce that was cut. And even if it was grown locally, it isn't really that fresh because it's the the minute you cut it, it kills it and it starts to wilt. So stuff like that gets me really turned on. It's just the appreciation that mm-hmm. that we see from our customer base. Does it make a difference? To what? I mean, to what you guys are doing? Uh, make a difference? How? I think. I mean, I think it makes a difference from a you know a big picture standpoint that we're we're producing you know 20 or 30 or 40 miles away from where we're shipping to um, uh, that that makes a big difference we have several employees that work for us that really love this work they and they work for us some of them work for us all winter long um, was there ever a point where you we thought about throwing in the towel there was uh, fairly recently um, where what we did, uh, we we had we had the restaurant sales and we had CSA sales, and the CSA sales were super labor intensive. And do you want to explain what CSA is for anybody yeah, who might yeah. not know? Community supported agriculture is where you sign up with a farm, pay in advance, and for a period of eighteen weeks or twenty five weeks, you get a bag of vegetables every week. And what we, we did that for seven years, and it, it, in some ways it was a nice balance to the restaurant customer base because if we didn't sell everything that we had to the restaurants, we could put extra stuff in the CSA. Or It was, it was a balance in that way. But what we found was that it was very uh, customer service intensive. You know, customers like, well, we pick up our bag here on Tuesdays, but we're going on vacation. Can you deliver it here on Thursday? And anyway, it required a lot more labor uh, than the restaurant business, just beyond just the growing aspect of it, the delivery, et cetera. So we decided last year that we were going to really just dedicate ourselves to restaurant growing. We closed our CSA. And even with that, our revenue this year went up and we have less labor expense and it's now a real business. So... We were supposed to be talking about uh, throwing in the towel. Uh, <laughs> that no, not necessarily. I mean, I, I just I know that this is difficult, and I, you know, I get that there's this balance, um, which sometimes can be a tension between doing what you love and actually, you know, supporting yourself. Right. I, I think I've lived that a little bit at, at times, and I, I'm always interested to hear, uh, especially from growers, because there's I I I'm, I'd be hard pressed to, to come up with a more difficult way of 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 in this day and age and you know a lot of the things we talk about here about how difficult it is for growers to, to right. actually make a living but, but the, the throwing in the towel uh, I, I wasn't totally going to throw it in I was thinking about bringing another farm in to work right. with me but then Nat showed up and said I'm really interested in this and that totally turned it around for me which to me is like if this if these stories can have a happy ending it's, and it's not an ending at all is when we, we're working with growers now that are now multi-generational. Right. And you guys are one of the best examples of that. There are others, uh, which makes, gives me a tremendous amount of pride and, and hope that we're kind of on the right track. If, right. if young folks are coming into this and seeing the potential and seeing that the work is something they want to do, wow, I, we couldn't, um, 
it, it, can't ask for it, much more. It's exciting to me too yes. that, that he's interested in it. I mean, originally I would have kind of I kind of discouraged him like years ago because I didn't think he could make a living, but I think he can. Not he's not going to get rich, but he can make a living. Right. And uh, that was that's part of making it sustainable. Thank you guys for coming in. Yeah. yeah. John Shaw, Nat Shaw, Karma Farm, Baltimore County. Thanks very much. <laughs>